should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull****. It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday, June 14th. I'm, I'm trying my best. I mean, I... I always have trouble remembering what the <laughs> the day is, but lately it's it's even more difficult. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. It's Tuesday, and uh, and uh, I'm very happy to be comforted by the presence of John Zipper of Commonwealth Club. Thank you so much for being here with us, John. Thanks for having me here. It's just you know that's that's just been my feeling. Is uh, it just feels nice to be around people you know, people you admire, people you care about. Uh, I have not been able to function properly at all since Sunday. Um, it's been really difficult. How have you been? Um, I've been probably like most people, just kind of watching all the stories come in, and uh, obviously, you know, watching the memorials, the the uh, uh, the political fighting over this, and uh, not sure where this is going. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just something that's happened that you kind of come to terms with. It's mm-hmm. What's coming out of this? I mean, there's interesting stuff, both, you know, from potential government people and from uh, just kind of across the country. So I hope we'll we'll get into some of that today. We will. We will. We're obviously referring to the attack in Orlando at the Gay Bar Pulse, um, the, the tragedy that has rocked our entire world. And, you know, as I said yesterday, it, it, to, to me... <sighs> It's it's the LGBTQ community as far as an attack upon it's an attack upon American democracy in my opinion and it's a, it's an attack on all of us who believe in equal rights and it's attack on the Latino community people of color um, you can go on and on and on at the end of the day it's a tragedy and I don't have the answer of what. Do- <laughs> What do we do? What's going to happen? So I'm kind of just reaching out to good friends and everyone in the community and hope that our ongoing conversation will try to find something out of that, whether that's comfort, whether that, that you know, it's a solution or a plan. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, if you need someone to talk to, you can always, you know, reach out to us at michellemeow.com. You can go to Commonwealth Club. Dot org and or I know that there are plenty of resources out there as well that people are posting, but but make sure you do talk to someone if you need to. Let's just jump right in. Um, I haven't again. I like I'm going to stumble on my words. If I look like crap, it's because I feel like crap. I I do look like crap, and I I don't. I am at a place of, of not having the right words. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. 
Our guest today is Michael K. Lavers. He's with Washington Blade, an LGBTQ news uh, resource, very credible one and uh, one that we rely upon. And so, Michael, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I want to check in with you uh, just as we open the show. How are you, Michael? Uh, I'm, I'm calling. I'm here in Orlando, and it's just been a very, very difficult uh, three days here. Um, I just found out this morning, actually, that one of my uh, PR contacts is among the victims of what happened at the uh, nightclub here in Orlando on Sunday morning. He's um, 34, Eddie, um, Eddie Sotomayor. He was the uh, PR person for a gay travel company based out of Sarasota, and uh, he was one of the folks who was inside the club on Sunday morning when everything happened. So um, coming to terms with that and trying to report on everything that's happening here, it's just it's been extremely, extremely, extremely difficult. So uh, with that said, we're just trying to do the best we possibly can with um, everything that's happening here. Why don't you, if you could, uh, bring us up to date on what we know so far, because there are a lot of stories that are coming out. Obviously, we're getting fuller views of the victims, but also, you know, kind of a different picture of this or different of a fuller picture of uh, the mass murderer. So uh, so before we really get into this, then maybe just bring us up to date on what we know so far. Where are we? Right. And I'm deliberately not going to use this name for rather obvious reasons, but the uh, gunman basically um, opened fire on the uh, Pulse nightclub about 2 o'clock Sunday morning. There were over 300 people inside at the time. It was a uh, Latino party, from what I understand. And basically, he just um, entered. Um, he had an AK-15 assault rifle, from what I understand. And he just opened fire, and he killed uh, 49 people, many of whom uh, passed away before reaching the hospital, which is less than five minutes' drive from where the nightclub is. So that's what happened on Sunday morning. There was a hostage situation, apparently, as well. And the gunman was um, killed about three hours later when he was uh, exchanging gunfire with uh, responding officers. So what um, I've seen a number of reports in national media that um, he was upset at seeing two men um, kissing each other in Miami recently. And then um, just yesterday, we've seen reports coming out that he was using um, Grindr and other gay hookup web applicants as well as um, he even made frequent visits to the nightclub as well. So those are some reports that have been coming out here. So at this point, that's um, the latest we have. I also understand that his wife may have driven him to the scene, um, to the nightclub, and there should be um, more developments on that um, later today. So that's the latest I can tell you from here. But in terms of the community response, um, people are just completely shell-shocked here. Um, a whole range of emotions from grief to um, defiance to you know, outrage. And um, there was a memorial last night in Orlando, downtown Orlando. There were 8,000 people. The Human Rights Campaign President, Chad Griffin, was among the speakers. And um, it truly was just one of the saddest things I've ever seen um, as a journalist and just as a human being with, um, you know, when they started reading the names of the victims, people around me were just openly sobbing. Um, I certainly had, <laughs> I certainly had tears in my eyes as well, mm. just, you know, hearing the names and, you know, you're, again, you're there trying to uh, report on this situation, but you're human. And so um, letting those emotions out certainly has been quite helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I think everybody here is just really just starting to come to terms with what happened and really just trying to do the best they can to comfort each other and to try to make 
some sense this what is an absolutely horrifying and un and incomprehensible tragedy. You mentioned just reading the names. I mean, it was and hearing the names is so emotional. I mean, it even brought Anderson Cooper on CNN to tears when he was doing mm-hmm. it. Um, one of the aspects of this, as, as you noted, it was it was a Latino night or a Latino gathering, um, and yet there, there's obviously been you know some issues across the country at various places where that was not recognized. Whether it's either from you know uh, commentators or even at some memorials services. At that uh, memorial service you were mentioning, were there lots of Latino speakers? Were there, yes. And, and yes, this, absolutely. Yeah. I, can, I, I, I commend the local media here in Orlando. They really have um, made sure that um, the LGBT community has been acknowledged, the Latino LGBT community has been acknowledged. The Muslim community's response to this horrendous act of violence has been acknowledged. So my hat goes off to the local journalists here who this is their community and many of these people have been to this nightclub i remember i was watching the local news yesterday morning and the anchor herself had a tissue in her hand just you know it was that difficult just to get through the newscast and i saw a reporter last night who was at the memorial and she was wiping tears from her eyes as she was trying to report on the story so it really just affected everybody here um the mayor has been very, very supportive of the community, the local elected officials. I will say, however, that a lot of people are quite upset at the governor of Florida, mm. Rick Scott, because he has not specifically mentioned the LGBT community by name, at least in my knowledge. And um, um, <clears throat> certainly he you know, he needs to answer some questions about that because the community is reeling right now and there's um, a lot of people are just really, really outraged that he has not uh, publicly mentioned the community by name in his public comments thus far. Michael, you, you know, obviously uh, during a tragedy like this, we always have the uh, those who want to stand on a platform and start talking about politics immediately. Um, we've already seen some politicians move into that space uh, in what I consider, you know, hijacking the conversation, talking about um are blaming, you know, uh, religion and Islam or and or, you know, talking about how uh, th- this could have been a mental issue thing. And that's what we need to consider me- mental I- illness I- into this. Uh, what's what's kind of been like, in your opinion, let's start with there in Orlando. Are people talking about gun control or people talking about, you know, that this was a uh, religious attack? Um, the gun control piece has really become a prominent issue. Almost everybody that I've spoken with, uh, even the LGBT rights advocates, um, Nadine Smith, the um, executive director of Equality Florida, most notably has been <clears throat> quite pointed in her outrage over the availability of guns in this country and really stepping up and saying we need to do something about this. Um, that's been a consistent message uh, from the folks here in Orlando and across the country. Interestingly enough, uh, last night at the memorial, Rick Scott's name did not come up once. <laughs> um, and also um, Donald Trump, he gave that speech in, ironically, my hometown in New Hampshire yesterday about um, immigration and reiterating the things that he's uh, previously called for. Um, his name has not come up at all. Um, so I think, you know, the gun control piece certainly is a rallying cry among uh, the folks here in Orlando and throughout this area. Um, the political rhetoric, uh, certainly that has come up as well. Chad Griffin was quite uh, quite uh, 
vocal in his opposition to some of the Islamophobia, xenophobia that we've seen come out of uh, come from certain political candidates and um, in the last uh, few months. Uh, there was an imam last night who spoke as well who uh, made a lot of similar points. He also expressed a solidarity with the LGBT community as well. So you're really starting to see these, you're really seeing these cross um, intersections of various movements. Also, you know, kind of within the broader issue of gun control. So that's been very comforting for some, for many folks. And it's, you know, frankly, it's, it's something that needs to be done here, especially after what happened on Sunday. Along those lines, I'm sure you saw the story about uh, what happened in the U.S. House of Representatives when they held a yet another moment of silence for the victims. And uh, there was a, an uproar from the Democrats. Some of them walked out. Others were shouting, you know, shame and where's the bill? Um, mm-hmm. What's your sense, uh, I guess, and this is probably asking you for prognostication, but I mean... It, we thought Newton, Newton, Connecticut was going to, to really do something. I mean, if going in and killing a bunch of school, you know, elementary school kids doesn't uh, shame this country into doing something, um, yeah. you know, what will? I, I've really tried to avoid, you know, reading too much of the political stories. You know, that's kind of one of my defense mechanisms being mm-hmm. down here. Um, I'll let other folks do that. I think back to what the imam said last night and just my response to your question. Um, he basically said, you know, we don't want another Sandy. We're tired of Sandy Hook. We're tired of San Bernardino. We're tired of all of these shootings. We're certainly damn tired of having something like this happen here in Orlando. And so I think this imam's comments really set the tone for moving forward. And I really, really hope that um, the lawmakers in Washington, um, you know, pay attention to that because, you know, there's a lot of people who are suffering here right now. There's a lot of people um, who are grieving loved ones. There's a lot of people who are um, still unsure of whether people they know even made it out of that nightclub. So I think it's um, I think it's paramount to focus on the folks here in Orlando and let the uh, politics of the situation unfold at a later point. Michael, we're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, I want to continue our conversation. So stay with us, okay? Thank you. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. 
When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Tuesday. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. And our special guest on the phone is Michael K. Lavers, who's with Washington Blade. And we're having a discussion about Orlando, of course. Uh, Michael, uh, you know, the outpouring of support has been worldwide. I mean, I think, you know, London had a visual last night and seeing the photos is just was so incredible. There's so many people who are coming out. Um, I'm sure that you've been able to report on some of that support. Kind of what, what, what are your emotions about it? Yeah, it's really, really heartening to, um, the outpouring of support not only here in Orlando but across the country and around the world. I just posted a story before coming on the phone was um, about global commemor- global vigils and memorial services. The Eiffel Tower was lit up in rainbow colors last night. You mentioned the event in London. Uh, there were hundreds of people in DuPont Circle in D.C. last night. Uh, so just in thousands of people were outside the Stonewall in New York City. So just the outpouring of grief and support has really, um, the community here in Orlando really has, um, is ex- exceptionally grateful for that. And, you know, it's just wonderful to see that outpouring of support and outpouring of solidarity uh, with the victims and their families. And um, I think that's really going to help sustain the folks here in Orlando if they continue to come to terms with uh, what what happened here on Sunday. Um, I would assume, and I, I almost regret asking this question, but I, I would assume one of the most difficult parts of this is talking with the, you know, the loved ones, people who've lost ones, or, mm-hmm. and, and there are still, I saw something just this morning, there are, I think, 27 people still in the hospital, six of them critical, so yeah. unfortunately that the death toll could rise, um, but... Mm-hmm. What bring 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 us to, in connection with some of, of what the the families, loved ones, friend, friends, and and others have have told you about <clears throat> what happened about some of these people we've lost? Yeah, a number of them were at the memorial service last night, and a number of them were holding um, handmade posters um, honoring their loved ones. I spoke with a woman who was friends with a 24-year-old man from uh, here in Florida. He worked on a show with Telemundo, and um, one of the most poignant and just heartbreaking things that I've seen throughout my time here was that uh, there was a photo of him with his boyfriend and um, a a woman that was their friend on her poster. It was taken at the nightclub 45 minutes before the gunman entered and opened fire. Um, this person unfortunately died. His um, I'm going to try to get through this. <laughs> um, his body um, fell onto the woman who was in the photo, and she did not survive. Um, his boyfriend um, 
unfortunately did survive and is, from what I understand, back in Miami, and this um, 24-year-old man's family from Puerto Rico is flying in to influence to Orlando yesterday to uh, um, claim his body and to bring it back to his homeland. So that's one of um, one of many, many stories that I've heard. Um, watching the person speak at the hospital this morning who survived, his name was Angel Colon, he's 26, I believe. Um, he was shot several times in the club. Um, he... Um, was at the hospital with his parents, with his brothers and sisters, I believe, and just recounting what it was like to be inside when, when everything happened. It was just absolutely heartbreaking to hear. But yet, um, everybody was rallying around him. Even the reporters who were in the room, you could tell, were just really, you know, rallying around him. And um, <laughs> you're really seeing that support um, from everybody, whether they're journalists, whether they're the local officials, or just average people. I was driving through a fast food restaurant, um, was driving through the takeout at a fast food restaurant, and I have a rainbow bracelet on my arm that I bought at DC Pride, which was just on Saturday. And um, she asked me about my bracelet, and she made the comment, oh, I love your bracelet, and it's really cool. So even little things like that um, do go a long way to try to, you know, let folks know that there are people who care and that, um, you know, they're there to, you know, stand in solidarity. So I think it's all of that, but it's still it's, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. How about um, the the owners or managers of Pulse? I mean, what is their reaction <laughs> been? I, I don't know if they've, if it's still closed or, or what uh, yeah, they, um, they spoke at the memorial service last night and, um, they were, they received a resounding round of applause. People were cheering for a good, uh, two to three minutes before they started speaking. And, um, I would say the one word that describes their reaction is defiance. Um, the owner spoke and said, we're going to, this was a safe space for the community. We're going to do our best to make it that way again. You physically cannot get to the nightclub. It's cordoned off and um, you can get to about two blocks from where it is. Um, so I'm not sure when that, when the street's going to reopen. I'm not sure when, um, when the club is going to reopen. But um, yeah, the folks who own Pulse and some of the some of the managers and staffers spoke at the vigil last night, and um, everybody's um, <clears throat> everybody's heart just went out to these folks, and they're still trying to come to terms with what happened as much as they possibly can. So, um, yeah, it's, um, people are really just standing by them. <clears throat> Michael, uh, you know that's uh, you mentioned something about the bar owners talking about safety. I mean, that's been uh, one of the the dialogue that has come out of, of the whole conversation, right? Everybody has an opinion about this situation and what we can do going forward. But when you talk about making our bars or where we socialize, where we gather more safe, like what does that actually mean? And, and I'm coming from a very emotional place. And and I don't have the answers to that. So I wonder kind of what are people saying and how we can make it much more safe for our communities. And it's not it's not just, you know, our community, but anybody who could, uh, you know, who who goes out and enjoys themselves at any establishment. I understand that there was a off-duty Orlando police officer who was at the club and he was the first person to respond to the gunman who walked in. Um, yeah, I mean, I... 
I travel quite a bit personally overseas. I've been in countries that um, are quite violent and these sorts of things do come to mind. But, you know, at least speaking from my own perspective, um, the, the last thing that one should do is to be afraid because that's exactly what um, folks like this gunman want you to be. So, so going to a nightclub, going out with your LGBT brothers and sisters, going out with your partner, walking down the street holding their hand in public, all of these things I think are really really send a strong message that um, the community is not going to live in fear and that we're going to defy this hatred and this um, prejudice that uh, folks may want to inflict upon us. And I think you're seeing that message becoming louder and louder here in Orlando. It certainly was on full display last night at the vigil, and uh, more and more people are publicly articulating that. So um, I think there's a real sense that uh, people are increasingly resolving themselves to not live in fear and to openly defy those who try to um, discriminate against them or target them. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I read somewhere, and I apologize, I don't remember where, but someone was just kind of noting how, uh, you know, uh, gay bars, gay clubs had, had you know, once been kind of the the only place a lot of LGBT folks could go, and they were a refuge, they were, they were you know, sometimes secret, um, and where, the, I mean, today, sometimes they're the most popular places in a, in a big city and, and certainly mm-hmm. lots of straight people go to them because they're damn fun. Um, right. And I, I kind of wonder if this is, is a, a bit of a reminder for some folks, I guess, of, of why these are still different types of clubs and, 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 and uh, uh, bars than, um, you know, the, uh, a standard straight bar or club might be. Yeah, I've heard that a lot of people have discussed that question here in Orlando. Um, Pulse Nightclub certainly was a sanctuary for not only the local LGBT community, but from all over Central Florida. People were there from as far as Sarasota, Tampa, the East Coast, which are um, quite a long way to drive in over two hours in some cases, but folks still made the trip um, to come to a place like this for reasons we just talked about. It's a sanctuary. They feel safe. They feel welcome. You know, they want to be there with their community. And what this gunman did was absolutely shatter that sense of community and that sense of refuge. Um, and folks are really, really wanting to take that back and to reclaim Pulse as, um, reclaim the Pulse as their sanctuary, their place where they can come and gather, be with their friends, be with their community, and um, really feel safe. And um, I certainly hope that happens moving forward. Michael, as we wind down, you know, something that I said earlier as we um, started the, sh- the show, the program, you know, for, for, for me, this is going to be etched in my mind, my memory forever. This will be the big tragic moment in uh, my life as an <clears throat> LGBTQI person who's active <clears throat> within the movement. I hope that it will never happen again. The reality is that I just, I don't, I don't. I don't have that guarantee, and that but, makes me. Yeah, I'm going to be e- negative. I guarantee it'll happen again. Yeah, extremely sad. And so, I wanted to kind of, you know, get your thoughts. I mean, you're going to be reporting on this for a while, um, and probably reporting on it a year from now, two years, five years from now, ten years from now, as we will remember it um, always. 
kind of you know what are what are your thoughts uh, you're involved in the movement as well um I know that I'm speaking from a place of like, you know, again, I'm saying I'm, I'm emotionally unstable right now. Everything I'm, I'm saying I'm going to be extremely negative about. Um, but offer us some words of hope, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a really, really broad question. Um, really difficult question to ask, um, especially as, you know, folks on the ground here really just are beginning to come to terms with something that basically ripped their city apart. There's a huge hole in Orlando right now, and that's going to take a very, very long time to fill. Um, that said, I think, um, I, I think folks can take comfort in the fact that, um, that people around the world are standing in solidarity with them. President Obama's coming here on Thursday. He's going to meet with uh, the families of the victims. I understand he very well could visit the local LGBT center that hasn't been confirmed yet. So I think folks can, at the very least, take comfort in the fact that there's so many people around this country and around the world who are standing shoulder to shoulder with them and showing solidarity with um, the community here in Orlando. And I truly, truly hope that uh, <laughs> that, that uh, carries, um, carries on as we move forward weeks, months, and years from this. And um, yeah, it, it's a very difficult question to answer right now, 72 hours out of um, less than 72 hours after what happened on Sunday, but I really do hope that the response that uh, we have seen here in Orlando, and especially the community, will continue to carry them through and really, you know, show that um, they're not alone and that these acts of absolutely unconscionable violence will not be tolerated. You, you just mentioned President Obama uh, coming out to visit. Can you give us a, maybe a, a, a little preview of anything else? You know, what are kind of some of the next steps? Are, are there you know, other meetings or anything else that are going to be taking place in the community down there or, um, you know, any other, uh, uh, you know, special moments. I, I don't know. Has Orlando had its parade already this month? Um, Gay Days was here at Walt Disney World just the week before uh, the massacre at the nightclub. Mm. So that's already happened, I think. I, the, the main, I, the main, concern for the community here in Orlando, aside from just coming to terms with what happened, is to really meet the needs of the folks who are continuing to, you know, struggle with what happened, grief counselors, you know, just support local churches, you know, opening their doors, and just really providing that very, very basic support that folks so desperately need right now. And, and, um, and moving, I'm sorry, but for people outside of Orlando, is there a place that they could direct, for example, just their dollars even? Uh, to Orlando? Is anyone collecting yeah. money for the victims' families or anything like that? Yeah, Equality Florida launched a GoFundMe page um, shortly after the massacre happened, and I understand it's raised over $2 million. The city of Orlando yeah. has uh, launched a fund. It's called, I believe, it's Orlando Unite, you know, One Orlando, similar to the fund that was started in Boston after the marathon bombings in 2013, and that's um, a number of local businesses, JetBlue um, among them, has already contributed hundreds of thousands of dollars to that. Those are two ways folks can, you know, get money to the families. And so I think you'll start seeing things like that, more things like that popping up in the next few days and weeks. But the very, very basic needs of the community really are the priority right now. And just, you know, the solidarity that we've seen from across the country and around the world really does mean a lot to uh, folks here in Orlando. So um, certainly that would be something that folks might, you know, just, you know, expressing your support for the community really does 
does go a long way. Michael, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning for for doing you and for continuing and 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 uh, having the strength, you know, for some of us who are barely making it, like myself. And so, I thank you so much. Thank you, and keep the folks here in your thoughts, please. Absolutely. Michael K. Lavers, everyone, he's with Washington Blade. If you'd like to follow him on Twitter, tweet him at MKLavers81. Don't go away. When we come back, John Zipper and I have a uh, heart-to-heart. I think I think that that's going to be good is to just speak open openly. Um, that's I think that's part of getting through this, too. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chuck Spence. I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also vice president of Maui Pride. It's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in, in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where you know you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved, and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create. And, and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui, is that you know we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how closeted we used to be, and you think about how suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now and and it's it's a good progression for society it's good that people are, are not just you know tolerating but appreciating diversity and that's the message is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity I think that whoever you are follow your passion follow what you believe in follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know, some other aspect of internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. A uh, very difficult week um, for all of us. And I think as Americans, I, mean, it's, it, it, I think we just generally all feel a little, um, a little scared. It, it really does remind people just how vulnerable everyone is. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, oh, so what do we do? Do we raise security at uh, every gay club and every gay event? And and when you have people who are 
full of hate. I mean, this guy also cased the uh, Disney uh, Land, Disney World, mm-hmm. the Disney World uh, gay day thing. Um, you know, he he, he would have found someplace. Yeah, when there's it. intent, right. when you're evil, when you you know, mo- or you're motivated to 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 hurt somebody. Um, I hate to say it, but that's you. That's what you're going to do. You, right. Yeah. There, there, there's going to be a lot of talk in coming days, weeks. I hope this talk doesn't just die out or get buried under the next mass shooting in this country. But um, one thing that probably should receive some more attention, I think, is just the idea of people who knew that this, this guy was dangerously, violently homophobic, racist, sexist. I want to read, uh, if I could, um, a Facebook post from sure. a Facebook friend of mine, Matthew Rettenmund, who's an author some of you may have read, Boy Culture, which was made into a film and other things. He writes, uh, as of an hour ago, or so this morning, uh, once it was reported that Mateen's wife said he had cased Disney World as well as Pulse, you had to know this was coming. She knew. She knew and allegedly tried to persuade him not to act, but more important, she never told police. Right now she is cooperating, will be a very valuable witness, but he goes on to say he hopes once her witness helpfulness has exhausted, uh, he hopes she goes to prison. Um, oh, and they have a kid. So that, that kid's got a great life ahead of him or her. Um, if you are around someone who you know to be violent, um, heavily armed, um, full of hate, um, possibly mentally unstable, or maybe just hatefully horrible, mm-hmm. and you don't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, this is not for them, for that person a situation of just, oh, well, what could have been done? I mean, you, you, you have a role in life. You have an action, and it might be as horrible as breaking up your family in order to alert police and prevent something like this happening, but some folks have to have a, forgive the phrase, a come-to-Jesus moment mm-hmm. and realize their duty lies to um, other people more than to their loyalty to their crazy spouse. We're going to find a lot more information about him. Obviously, the investigation mm-hmm. is ongoing and things are going to unfold. And it, the best thing that I can say is don't immediately race to uh, any conclusion. Uh, you know, allow for yourself to absorb the information. Um, but what I do, I do want to, you know, point out is that all of our responses have evolved over time. So allow for that to happen as well. I mean, when you think about President Obama's response, which was within hours of the attack, uh, he did call it, you know, a terror attack. I mean, the person is, uh, was American. And, um, and then now I, I, I know that that conversation is changing a little bit. I mean, you, you heard Hillary Clinton's uh, response to it. And so tell us what so, was that? So Hillary Clinton was uh, scheduled anyway to make a speech in Cleveland, I believe, with uh, some you know state politicians and local politicians, and it, it, it I think this was Monday morning, and uh, so of course she used that as a moment to talk about this issue, and and she's Hillary Clinton, you know, she's smart and she has a plan, <laughs> and I say this very positively because she's presidential. Well, and and let's we'll get into that in a bit more because there are Republicans who have taken their own candidate to task for that for the opposite. But she came out and said, first of all, let's think of this as you know we need more of a spirit of nine twelve here instead of everyone you know rounding on each other um, and trying to deport people and ban people and and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but then she also said, look, 
we've got to deal with gun control and we, you know, we can do this, this, and this, you know, we, there are some things we know works, uh, that or we know that work. Um, and she said, we've got to deal with this whole issue of these lone, uh, wolves, you know, people who kind of become radicalized again, we're going to learn more about this guy, but, uh, something I read this morning, I think on CNN said, you know, the, the federal age authorities now think pretty sure he was radicalized on his own by, you know, watching crazy stuff on the internet. Um, and, uh, and she also called out on the carpet, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia and some other Middle Eastern countries where there are people fund, you know, radical, not just jihadists, but also imams who go out and support these things. Um, so I, I would suggest people, uh, I'm sure it actually, I do know it's posted on her Facebook page. So go to Hillary Clinton's Facebook page and invest half an hour to watch it. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. That was a, a I thought, a, a very significant thing. And let's face it, she's likely to be the next president, so it's worth knowing what she has to say. Compare that with, if, if you don't mind me getting very political for the moment, uh, Donald Trump's response, which was to come out and blame Muslims, say he was going to actually expand his idea about, uh, you know, a temporary ban on, on Muslim immigration. He... Uh, he uh, um, kind of accused Obama of being in either cahoots or, or uh, insufficiently in, in opposition to oh, Islamic. Right. I mean, the, it, it left, it, it had, if you read the political press, then it had Republican leaders basically aghast because they're like, this is the millstone around their neck. You know, even those of them who are themselves, you know, very conservative or whatever, they're, they're just, well, they're stuck with him. So it's, it's interesting. He's been. It's been called kind of like the first, you know, yeah. leadership test, and I think I can even nonpartisanly say he failed. For me, you know, I'm going to take a very human approach about this. Whether the person was American or not, whether the person hated gays or didn't, uh, whether the person was black or white or rich or poor, the fact remains that the 53 who have passed away, who went, who went through this you know, terror are not with us anymore. And, and, and that's it. They're not going to come back. So the only thing that I can, at this point, being emotionally unstable myself, logically explain how 53 people were killed, a third of the participants in a small bar of 300 or so people at 2 o'clock in the morning um, I can only think of that huge assault rifle that he walked in with that he legally purchased. Mm -hmm. I've lived my life for 34 years. And when I think about my right to bear arms, my weapon of choice has always been my heart and the optimism of humans. I grew up in the ghettos. I just say it outright, you know, in which gangsters lived outside of the door and that there were drive-by shootings and that I'd never thought in my mind that I should tell my mother to go out and buy me a piece at 10 years old so that I can protect myself. I'm still here. I'm still alive at 34 years old. <laughs> I still don't intend to go out and buy myself a gun to protect myself. And, and the world has gotten a lot more scarier, by the way, as soon as I moved out of a pretty dangerous neighborhood. So what am I saying? I'm, I'm saying to, I'm, I think that 
I think that when people when people go there with gun control and they get on their whole like you know political soapbox and and they're like you don't take my you know constitutional right away nobody's saying we should take it away but what we are saying is we we shouldn't be selling you know mass destructive weapons to everyday people well, <laughs> former president bill clinton uh had some comment i guess that i guess where he noted that the majority of these mass shootings in this country have taken place since 2005 when the uh, uh assault weapon ban uh, expired and was not renewed um so there's a piece of legislation that people could rally around you know mm-hmm. i th- i think uh, people who are here here's here's the the depressing fact for people who really really want to push for this kind of thing and that is that when you talk about various gun control options, whether it's just you know registration things or you know tracking and closing loopholes and things like that, you get these huge majorities of Americans, Republicans and Democrats, who support them, who support them strongly. Mm-hmm. And the problem is they're not voting issues for them. Mm. So when it still comes down to it, they're going to go into that polling booth and say, you know, you know it, the economy is going to be first. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it, and, and so. We say a lot in this program how important it is to vote, not just to protest, not just to like something on Facebook that agrees with you, but to actually get out there and vote and, um, you know, push your friends and families in other states to vote unless they're crazy, in which case they should stay home and not vote. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a big fight to get the smallest gun control change through because, um, as we saw, it, it finally erupted in the house this week where it was just like they haven't done anything. Well, we have to fight it. And and uh, I guess that's going to be my fight <laughs> as a LGBTQI person. Um, let's take a quick break right here. But when we come back, John and I will, will close the show. And uh, so stay with us and be with us. We need you. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. 
Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on the program today. Um, trying to get through it and and uh, continuing to do what we do helps being with friends and families and talking openly about it, talking to a professional about it is a good thing. You can always reach out to us at michellemeow.com or, or at commonwealthclub.org if you want to reach out, reach out to John. He's a really smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> he hosts his own show here on the uh, Progressive Voices Network, and it's a week-to-week political roundtable talk on Fridays, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Um, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I, I think that it's crazy that people think it's political when you want to talk about not, you know, when you, when you want to talk about the fact that we should not have possession of heavy artillery or like you know mass destructive weapons right that's not political i'm just talking about saving well, someone's life first of all political is not a dirty word there's the, the <laughs> internet that facebook meme that was going around recently that uh, the people who say you shouldn't politicize those 50 uh dead folks down in orlando are the same people who mm-hmm. are still f- uh, politicizing those four dead people in benghazi from eight years ago or whatever it was mm-hmm. um you know politics is the way we deal with problems and mm-hmm. so yeah politicize it well, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of of this whole idea of the the Second Amendment right to bear arms and why it was written the way that it was, and written during a time in which I I guess you know I mean it 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 to me it obviously was a really long time ago. It was about having, uh, your, you know, most people were farmers and having a musket there in case you were all called up in a, in a well-regulated militia, remember, is, is the term that's used. It was not about, um, you know, people being able to have guns that can shoot 100 rounds a minute because, you know, you're upset about having to pay taxes. I mean, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. I mean, I thought about what, like, you know, I think it was President Obama who talked about uh, people should have the right to to hunt and and you know do that stuff if they need a gun to do it. <laughs> well, go ahead. Well, okay, but how many people are like really hunting? I mean, that we have to have it as a constitutional right to to have access to these guns. And and if it is just for hunting, why can't it be treated like fishing? You need a permit. You need to you know what I mean? Sure. A license and like all that stuff. Um, I don't know if you saw him. Uh, There's a video on, on PBS NewsHour. I guess he was there for some town hall or something. Then afterward, he was taking questions from the audience. A man gets up, asks him a question saying, you know, why are you trying to come out for our guns, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Obama says, you know, if I'm trying to come after your guns, I've been president for seven years and gun sales have, you know, been more than ever. <laughs> so, you know, clearly I'm not coming for your guns. Um, he, I mean, he got right to that and he doesn't have a, pro- look, someone who wants, who, who does have a gun for, for protection. Um, I don't, it's, you know, it's not something I would want to go for, but 
I don't have a problem with that. I grew up in an area where there were a lot of mm-hmm. farmers, uh, excuse me, uh, hunters, even northeastern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. People went off deer hunting or whatever. I couldn't do it. He wants to shoot mm-hmm. Bambi, but hey. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's a difference between someone who has a pistol that they keep secured from their child, but where they can get it because they think they can stop an intruder or something. There's a difference between that and someone who's a hunter and has their rifles in a gun cabinet that's locked and protected and blah, blah, blah. There's a difference between that and someone who has a weapon of war. Right. That was a weapon of, like, intense war. I mean, like, the world is ending war. Um, And, (laughs) I mean, let's, like, you know, I don't know. Like, let's, uh, that's, that's like, let's kill a bunch of people at, uh, the, at once. Um, well, and, and the, the, there's, you know, the whole resistance to putting any restriction on people who, who can get these mass murder weapons. So you're talking about, you know, even people who are on the terrorist watch list. Right. <laughs> you would think if there's anything that even Republican conservatives could get behind, it would be, oh, okay, well, we all hate terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Can't do yeah. that. And it's 2016 going on 2017. I hate 2016. It's just been such a horrible year I in my 16, opinion. Going yeah. on 17. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure of it that technology has advanced so much and there's so many billionaires that, okay, we can't come up with something that is, is not as, as uh, destructive as like a gun to protect yourself. I mean, can't we like come up with something that can send like electrical vibes that paralyzes the boogeyman that you're so afraid of. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I, I just don't see any point ever to walk up and buy a machine of that kind to do anything other than if you are going to war. Yeah. I mean, I, we talk about, you know, Crazy people who might buy these. I kind of wonder if there's been, ever been a study on how many people who buy a machine of war for their alleged private use, if you could do any sort of thing of how many of them actually are mentally stable. I mean, why would a mentally stable person want it? And you can send all your angry emails to Michelle Meow at <laughs> Michelle Meow. Um, I mean, seriously, it's just. I've known folks who are actually gun nuts, but they wouldn't. They don't want a submachine gun in their house. I mean, yeah. it, it, there's something going on there. And for the country to fetishize, if I pronounce that correctly, you know, these weapons and their ownership and the, you know, is is really weird. And there's a, a reason that the United States has the vast majority of all, mm-hmm. you know, uh, weapons mm-hmm. of. I mean, these mass killings, mm-hmm. and we do nothing except hold moments of silence. And we're told not to politicize them because, you know, that would well, possibly I, lead to a solution. I don't want 50 more people to be gunned down because somebody had a bad day or somebody's, uh, you know, unstable or someone has uh, a hard time tolerating people who are different than who, you know, which which it that it's you just pulled up a story that there may be uh, a, a, a live shooter. uh at a Walmart, I believe, somewhere down the south. Right, yeah. and so here's 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 the thing: is that people keep asking me, and 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 I I did it to Michael, um, who was on with us earlier, in how are we supposed to make it more safe? And 
for those of us who are not politicians or legislators or people of power, um, if you turn to us to make those types of decisions, the only thing that I can freaking say is that I can guarantee 100% safety if there are no mass destructive weapons available to people who should not be using it. So if you take away the guns and you don't give somebody who shouldn't be using it, that's the only way that I can guarantee you that we won't be killing 50 people within minutes at our bars. (laughs) We'll see. What do you think the chance? I mean, let's do this. Where should people go if they want to get involved in some effort to address this? Is there an organization you would recommend or um... I think that I think that we need to start writing our, you know, uh, our I don't know, con- Congress, right? We're in, to, we're to, in to Northern our California. Our, our Congress men and women and senators are, are all Democrats. Um. Well, they I mean, they need to make it like I mean, somebody needs to step up and take the charge and take the lead and not be afraid of the fight. And you're right. Politicize it. Yeah. That's the only way we can get anything done in this country, right? Yeah. I think we start there. I think we start putting pressure on the people that we elect, you know, uh, to these to the, to these seats. I don't know. I mean, you're you're the whiz guy, though. I, I like being referred to as the brilliant one. <laughs> you're the brain. I'm pinky. Tell me what to do. <laughs> I want to bring up one other angle of this, and this is a story some of you've probably seen. I think it's very disturbing. It's a Sacramento Baptist pastor who ah. uh, has praised the Orlando gunman, said that uh, you know Orlando is safer now without these gays. Um, it's not just that you've got this crazy person because we know there are lots of you know crazy pastors um, of all faiths. It's that they actually posted this on the church's YouTube page so it wasn't you know crazy guy goes off script and there were people in in that congregation now who sits and listens to someone give that kind of a sermon and doesn't get up and say i can't believe i was a member for this church i'm gonna go down somewhere else um so when we talk about you know people being radicalized in madrasas in pakistan people being radicalized in churches in sacramento Mm -hmm. and you know when we talked about people taking responsibility for things. People need to understand what they're in the middle of. And if those people are not in a cult, then they should be smart enough to get the heck out of there Join and, our, and report this guy. Exactly. Join our conversation and contribute to it. Uh, I'm sure John and I would love to hear from you. Head to michellemeow.com. All of our podcasts, by the way, that John and I do together is available at commonwealthclub.org slash meow. And by the way, um, we have a great event coming up, and this actually is extremely timely, uh, this conversation about Black Lives Matter, uh, who's the organizational grand marshal of San Francisco Pride. And we're going to have a forum with one of the co-founders, Alicia Garza, um, and uh, as well with, uh, as Darnell Moore and uh, Aria Saeed, who's with St. James Infirmary, another organization that's being honored by San Francisco Pride. And the moderator is uh, civil rights activist, women's rights activist, black activist, uh, Barbara Smith. And I say that it's timely because, you know, Black Lives Matter had just issued their own statement, but a lot of what they talk about 
in that we need to stop having these hateful conversations. We need to acknowledge the fact that a lot of those victims are also people of color, black and brown, um, and at the same time imposing the type of racism that exists within the black and brown community uh, to impose that upon the Muslim community is not what we stand for. So come join us in for this very important conversation if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area Head to CommonwealthClub.org for information. Yep, it's on June twentieth. Uh, at starts in the evening. It's definitely something you wanted to uh, come to, and there are still some seats available. So please join us. That's it for today, folks. I will talk to you tomorrow at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.